Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. My name is Tim Barton, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Vine, if you don't know me. Um, And we're in Genesis chapter 2. We're continuing in our series on um, this being created in the image of God and what that looks like. But, but before we get to our passage this morning, I want to make sure we're all on the same page with something, because I think that's important as we come to this passage today. And so, so let me start by, by doing this this way. All right, you see where I'm standing. You actually have to look up for a minute. Okay, I'm standing right here. All right, I'm doing it right here because there's like, you can kind of see a line right here, all right? So let's just say that this line represents knowing Jesus. Okay, everybody with me so far? All right, good. All right, so this line represents knowing Jesus. Well, the the way that we often treat that is that before coming to know Jesus, I might be like right here. Pastor John's probably a little closer, that was a little closer to that line, right? Uh, But but I won't use any more names. Um, Somebody else is over here, somebody else is over here, somebody else was back there, somebody else was back there. Guess what? And, and we, by the way, we think that with different cultures. Some cultures were like, well, they're way back there, right? The reality is, is that all of us, all of us were just as far away from that line as the next person. None of us were closer. That is extremely important for us to understand as we start this morning. Some of us had benefits of growing up in the church, but none of us were closer in our own ability or our own efforts. We were all just as far away. That's important to start with. Because what also is true is that as we're growing in Jesus, we all no matter where we are, need Jesus just as much. That is, again, all the different things we can talk about, and even as we come to this this morning, um, that is, as male and female, we are all equally in need of Jesus. When we come to him in faith, we are equally as loved by him because it's about what he has done. That's important. Now let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. Because what we're going to see today is that even as I talk about that, where we all have this same need of Jesus, that then applies what, what Jesus does is he does that. And the way he has chosen to make his church work is that we all are also in need of one another, even with our differences. We need one another, even with our differences. Maybe even especially with our differences. So let's look at Genesis chapter two. And this is God's word. Beginning in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. 
And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and we're not ashamed. So again, we're going to see we need one another with our differences. First thing I want us to see is that the difference is good. The difference is good. Look at verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Now, you're like, wait, you just said it's good. Now it's not good. Yeah, well, it's not good that the man should be alone. So we're starting with that here. Um, the difference is good. Keep in mind that, that he's saying this before sin entered the world. God said that there was something that was not good. You may remember from a few sermons ago when Pastor John was preaching, um, he, he, this was in, in um, chapter 1 of Genesis where it's talking about kind of the, the, the big picture, the big, big emphasis of creation. It got to the end after, um, Adam, after mankind had been created, Adam and Eve had been created, and it got to the end of that and it said it was very good, right? Well, what we're looking at here is a little before that. Um, it's backing up because chapter 2 zooms in on the creation of man. And so he's, he's, God, God says it's not good for man to be alone. Adam had been created. Adam had been given life. Adam had been given the delightful place in the presence of God. You remember that from last week? Adam had been given directions. He was there to work the garden. He was there to keep it. He was there to serve and obey God. But again, here, before sin into the world, it said it was not good to be alone. Why? Why is that? Because God had created mankind, man in this case, in his image, in a way, and so, so in the same way that, in, in, or similar way that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit had this, this relationship together, three and one God, in a wholesome, good, and sinless way, Adam had a need for a corresponding relationship. But this need was not just for any relationship. It was a need for a helper, someone that was equal to him, but different. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Uh, but, but let me stay on, on just kind of this, this um, big picture thing here for a second. Why does Adam or man need a helper that fits together with him. That's the, the terminology. If you remember from, a few, from the last few sermons, 
And you can go back and listen to those on the website if you want to. Um, I will tell you that I, I'm not saying that, so, so it's not our goal here for our teaching to be di dynamic and entertain you. Right? That's not really what we're trying to do. So I'm not telling you go back and listen to it because it's just so riveting. However, the Holy Spirit does take it and make it dynamic because he teaches through it and it's his word. And so I'd encourage you, if you haven't heard them, to go back and listen to them. But in the last few sermons, God gives mankind directions, okay? So chapter one, verse 28, it says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what were the directions? Be fruitful and multiply, that's the first one. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, for obvious physiological reasons, man and woman need each other to do that. Two men can't do that. Two women can't do that. And I know there are unnatural ways they're trying to figure that out, right? Naturally, as God created things, that can't happen. Anything other than that, is a deviation of how God set things up. And the Bible actually says over and over and over again that it's a perversion of the truth. Now, the second thing he tells them, remember, in Genesis 1.28 was to, the second direction was to subdue the earth and have dominion. Now, don't miss this, though, all right? God said to Adam, it's not what it says in 1.28, God said to them that they were to do this together. They had different roles, but the dominion and the directions were for man and woman together. Together they were to serve and obey God. And so before sin entered into the world, man and woman were created with differences to accomplish what God had called mankind to do, what he calls us to. Therefore, because that was, I mean, that was before sin in the world. We know sin enters the world. We're going to see that soon um, in this series. But just because sin entered the world doesn't mean that it should have stopped. In fact, they were to work the garden. They were to keep it. It just got hard. Everything else we're going to talk about today, they were still to do. It just got hard. And that's where uh, we continue now and we see a helper fit for Adam. What does that phrase mean? What does that mean? Um, it, it's it's um, the, the, if I really nail it down, it's a, a helper that fit together with him. Now, again, it's, it's, an, it's extremely important when we say that to understand where the word helper comes from, um, that, it, that it does not refer to a lesser role. It does not refer to a lesser status. Remember, again, God told Adam and Eve, them, they were to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And so as we get more detail here, it's because... God was created in the image of man. He was created with the need for this corresponding relationship. 
He didn't have one. God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make that helper fit for him. And, and we take that in our culture today, we take that and we think that, oh, this concept of helper, that's a negative one. That's a less than. Here's the problem with that. You remember I told you Moses wrote um, in chapter one, I told you this last week, Moses wrote, um, you know, in Genesis chapter one, he uses the term for God. The term was Elohim, right? And so this term Elohim, the majestic, the creator God, is what he uses in chapter one. He's talking about creation. Then in chapter two, when he zooms in, we saw last week to talk about man and woman, um, he uses the, he uses Yahweh Elohim. That's the covenant relationship with God, the, the God who is there for his, who's, for his people, who's the caring one, the loving one. And so he combines the two, and he's like, Yahweh Elohim. And that is Lord, covenant, majestic creator, God. And, and, and that both are some part of his character. And that's important because that God, his relationship to his people was to be one that would help him, help them. That same word that we see here for to be a helper suitable for Adam, that same word is used in Psalm 33, 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And then Psalm 121, 1 through 2. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, when it says that God was a help to his people, did that mean God was subordinate to his people? No, he's not subordinate to them. He was not less than them. His role that he took on was to love and to care for his people in a way they couldn't do, thing, do for themselves. We see it ultimately in Jesus. Right? What does Philippians 2 say about Jesus? That he humbled himself. He became man, mankind, one that he created. He humbled himself to be able to love and to care for mankind. If God did it, it doesn't mean that it's a lesser thing. But Adam needed the helper. So what's God do? He brings the animals first. Now, he creates these animals. Do you think that when God's bringing the animals before Adam that, that God thought Adam would look at one of them and be like, yeah, that's the one? And, and God just was, you know, he didn't know yet. He hadn't figured it out yet. Now, if we read the rest of the Bible, that, that can't be how God's seeing this. So God brings them. Think about this picture. I, every time I think about this, I just laugh, right? Um, I, because I'm like, there's no way that those animals, and, and again, this is before sin, maybe, I don't know, but I, I don't think there's any way that those animals, and think about how many animals are on the earth, that they just kind of came in decent, you know, in decent order, just kind of walking up. Um, you know, it had to be chaos, right? And maybe they did, I don't know. But Adam's naming these animals, right? And he's seeing these animals, and he gets to the end of it, and it says what? Not a suitable helper was found. There wasn't a suitable helper for him when it gets to the end. Now, I don't think God had Adam go through those motions because God couldn't figure out what to name the animals. It's part of Adam working and, and being part of things, but I think God was trying to prepare Adam 
for what he really needed. And so we can draw from that, I believe, three, um, three conclusions about what Adam needed to be seeing even before he met his wife. Okay? And I'm going to say this to the men in the room. Whether you're married, whether you're single, whatever that may be, okay? When we are looking at women, your wives, first of all, or even in how we care for people in the church, how we think about people, um, I'm saying this to you, but ladies, this, in reality, this goes both ways. But let me say this. First thing we draw from this, women are not slaves to appease men. God taught Adam that woman was not to be, and I'm going to use this term, okay? Woman was not to be treated as, I'm, I'm, I'm just, it, it sounds, because uh, I think it's what he's doing, this, this beast of burden, this animal to do what you, needed, you just want her to do. And unfortunately, some societies treat animals better than they treat women. A wife is to be treated with equal dignity, equal honor, equal respect. And when husbands don't treat their wives that way, when men don't treat women that way, we need to repent. We need to ask God to change our hearts. We need to study our wives. We need to listen. And guys, most of us are not very good at that. Second thing is a woman is not just for reproducing children. That is a beautiful thing that man and woman God has given to do together. But it's not only for that. You know, an animal's basic instinct is what? Eat, stay alive, multiply. Right? A woman is to be loved, is to be cared for. Let me also say this. Third thing is that a woman is not to be used. Man has to learn that a woman is not a thing outside of him to be used as he sees fit and then disposed of. Y'all, that's important in our culture. In a culture where physical relationship and intimacy is seen as something that's just another thing to do. Y'all, it's just seen as another activity. I mean, you think about names of movies. I'm not going to name them right now. But just even the way that is all set up, it's just another thing to do. And so, yes, and this is for another sermon, man is to be the spiritual leader of the home. God set it up that way. But woman is to have dominion with man, even though all the responsibilities aren't the same. We have differences. 
Now, Genesis 1, 28, the way it was laid out, again, we've talked about that a few times, that was broken. It was broken due to sin. But I want to say that the way things broke, the way there's now this desire, all, all these things we just talked about, the way, thing, the, the way we treat women, one another, that was never the biblical intent. But then God continues here. Now we'll go back to some positive stuff, okay? Not a helper, not a suitable helper was fit for him or found for him. And then verse 23. Then men said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, y'all heard how I just read that, right? That's how we read that verse a lot of times. I hear that verse read in, in weddings and it's read like that. You know how that verse should be read when you look at the Hebrew language? Yes, that's the one. All right. You got it. That's how that should be read in the Hebrew language. It's this expression of joyful exuberance. I think, you know, my favorite part of a wedding, I get to do a lot of weddings. You know, and other than the part where I just stand up front until everybody gets there, you know, just stand there. I love watching the bride come in. Not because I'm watching the bride, because I'm watching the groom. And the bride comes in, and almost inevitably, you see the tears. And it's, yes, that's the one. You've got it. Now, I know today with all the first looks and everything, we don't get to experience that as much. But just think of that. And that makes me think, being the groom, seeing my wife, Guys, we need to ask the Lord to help us see them that way every day. You've got it. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. That phrase is, a, uh, is used throughout Scripture, indicating oneness and being of the same essence. Over and over and over again we see it. So now I think the passage in verse 24 and 25 goes to application. Okay, and so this is, this is the application for us. In verse 24, yes, still in the garden, this one flesh, God has presented the woman Eve to Adam. Verse 24, it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This one flesh idea is more than just physically. That's spiritually, intellectually, emotionally. It's this, this idea of 
they're able to serve and obey God together, doing so trusting one another because of the connection that's there. This is God's design for marriage. Let me read it again. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There is, there's not mincing of words there. It's clear in the Bible. Guess what? If you want to say, well, that's the Old Testament, it's just as clear in the New Testament. But sin. And that's why the culture's view around us is problematic. Each situation starts with something like, I don't like this God, this, this God idea is just trying to kill my fun. I don't like this, um, you know, so God must not exist. Or I don't like this, I mean, you see this in, in churches. I don't like this, so the Bible's outdated. Now, when you hear those things, when you hear those things, we don't help this in our culture by just sitting in the church and going, yeah, see, that's their view, therefore they're wrong, and I'm not going to have anything to do with them. Where's that line? How do we get to Jesus? By his work, by his love, by his care. We have to engage in our culture. We have to care for people without condoning the sin. We have to care for people. We have to listen. We have to understand where the hurt comes from and the brokenness comes from. I'm not saying condoning the sin. But we're called to point to Jesus. And the only way we can do that is if we're engaged with it. Now, when you do that, you may be said that you're being judgmental. But don't let it be because you are. Be loving, be caring, be engaging. The second thing in the garden, the second application is that, verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. What does that mean? They were fully known. Fully known, fully exposed, and not ashamed. Where is the place that we are most fully exposed? Usually that's in marriages. You know, you can only fake it for so long when we see those things. But then, who knows us even more than our spouse knows us? And this is where it comes back to everyone. Jesus, you know that nothing you do surprises him. You know that the sin that goes on in your heart, he knows about that. 
And so we bring it to him. My dad used to say to me all the time, God's a big boy, he can handle it. You bring it to him, you repent of it, you confess it, you ask him to change your heart and then change the behavior. But if you want to hold on to it, then we're saying, yeah, I'm known, but I don't really want the love of God. The other part to this is that we need one another. I come back to we need one another with our differences. That only works in the gospel, right? Because in the gospel, our differences, whether they're because we're created different or because of our sin, they can be made known and we can still be accepted and loved and cared for as first sons and daughters of Jesus and then in relationship with one another. This also means that God's design for marriage is worth fighting for. I've already addressed it in the sense of it's worth fighting for in the big picture out there. But I also want to say this. It's worth fighting for in our individual marriages. We are going to mess up in our marriages. We are going to mess up in our marriages. But the question is, by the way, why are we going to mess up in our marriages? Because it's two sinners coming together. Yes, saved sinners, but we're still dealing with stuff. But it's worth fighting for. It's what God says is good. As I close um, here today, rather than giving you a specific thing to think about as we prepare for the Lord's table, I just want to encourage you, because we've been all over the place today. Maybe some of you feel like that. But I want to encourage you to just say, Lord, what are you teaching me about my heart today? Is there anything I need to confess before you? And then I want you to thank him, if you're willing to do so. Thank him for the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we'll come to the Lord's table together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for, Lord, your gospel. Because we need it. Lord, we thank you that you give us clarity in your word and where it can be hard for us to hear. That, Lord, you give it because it's good for us. And so, Lord, where you are convicting and where your people have said, Lord, my sin is before me, I'll lay it before you. Lord, would you remind our hearts that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness through the work of Jesus. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. 
For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.